Yo, I'm Shay Serrano. And I'm Brandon Jinx Jenkins. We have a new show called No Skips with Jinx and Shay. In it, we discuss the most unskippable albums in hip-hop history. New episodes drop on Thursdays, only on Spotify. It's the Full Go, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every, that's right, every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. All right, so this is The Full Goal Podcast. What is this, episode 69 of The Full Goal Podcast, if I'm not mistaken? Ah, for the lover in you. Everybody out there, you know what vibes are. We're we're creeps and we're children. So yes, I'm going to make that joke. Welcome into the episode uh, 69 of the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer. And of course, Spotify is the gang. The shadowy figure that is Steve Cerruti is here, but not here. And of course, we have the act of Jesse Lopez, my main man, Chris Tannehill. So I just got home from uh, doing my job, you know, hanging out, watching Bulls basketball. And the Bulls get themselves a 112-108 win over the Atlanta Hawks. And I got to say this, and I'll continue to say this, and I know y'all are getting bored, but damn it, you're just going to have to listen to it again. DeMar DeRozan is the shit, man. Like, I don't know if, if those terms and those words correctly put it into context but i know for some of y'all it it will and it does and you know it's true but for this dude to do what he's done over the last eight games of professional basketball this ain't some dude running rough shot over a kid's league or a kid's conference and, and then getting his bump to the next level no this is a dude going up against the best in the world and is routinely ladies and gentlemen routinely dropping 35-plus on him. Here's DeMar DeRozan's game logs since February 4th. 
By the way, that's when the streak started. And mind you, he uh, he went off for 28-7-6 on February 3rd, but that's not the 30-point game that we're talking about. Since February 4th, these have been the lines for DeMar DeRozan, basketball player for the Chicago Bulls, right? 31 points, 7 assists, 5 rebounds. 45 points, 7 assists, 9 rebounds. 38 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds. 36 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds. 35, 6-6. Six six. 38, 5-6. 47 and 3, 38, 6 and 6. And then, you know, has an all star game, enjoys himself, gets his little 10 points in 27 minutes, you know, fanfare for everybody, incredible honor. Comes back, first game out of the all star break, gets you 37 points, three assists, and six rebounds against an Atlanta Hawks team that has to match the gas here to try to figure out their playoff lives. Um, been able to be around and cover and observe a ton of terrific players in the time that I've been blessed to to do this gig. I don't know that I've seen something like this. And you may say, oh, golf, you saw the saw Mike, right? You know, you're currently watching LeBron. You saw Kobe. Uh, you've seen some of the greatest scorers of all time. Nah, man. Not with what he's doing against the grain. When I say against the grain, we all know how people feel in the NBA right around this time about mid-range jump shots. But we also understand uh, a lot that has been made and uh, I, I should say overstated about how people feel about mid-range jump shots in the analytical world. Yeah, they, they frown upon it, but they especially frown upon it with guys who can't make it or rotational players who aren't going to get that shot in rhythm all the time. This is a dude who has lived in the mid-range his entire career. And he continues to do so. And doing it at this clip, being a high-volume scorer is one thing. But usually you're a high-volume shooter while doing that. And the man broke a record set by Wilt Chamberlain, established by Wilt Chamberlain. And whenever you're talking about Wilt Chamberlain and scoring, you know you're doing something right. But 35-plus point games and 50% or, or better field goal percentage shooting. Where he's doing it, how he's doing it, employing now because it's like a really good pitcher, right? Tanny, Jesse, don't, you know, my baseball guys can speak to this out there. My baseball guys and girls, I should say. You know, first time through the order, hitting them with all the, all the you know, the hard stuff, right? You got a four-seamer, you got a two-seamer, you got a cutter, whatever the case may be. Second, maybe third time through that order, if you're still in the game, that's when you mix in the off-speed stuff because they're sitting on the fastball. The fact that this dude's game is kind of like blossoming in front of us, if you've noticed, DeMar DeRozan has been doing a lot more ball handling these last seven, eight, nine games. A lot more crossover dribbles you're seeing out there. A lot more hesitations. A lot more keeping guys on the hip off uh, off that pick-and-roll split where he's doing that push-probe dribble, but he's also making sure he's getting or staying around his spot in case he does have to pull up. What what you're watching is a master at his craft. And for it to happen, and and shout out once again to to Mirren Fader, uh, who wrote the piece on The Ringer, and and I implore everybody to go out there and make sure you check it out. Uh, It was was just the, the correct amount of introspection, and then you could level it with the way he plays basketball. Like, that guy is a thinking man's basketball player on every single level. He's still got athleticism, right? He's put down a couple of dunks and actually dunked on people in this last week or two, right? He's still got that athleticism. He's still got that burst. Uh, What you you are able to do when you're DeMar DeRozan with that kind of skill level and also, also be able to hold down that kind of weight because 
This has been with Zach Levine in and out of the lineup for these last 10 games or so. Zach's still running around out here banged up. Like, Zach didn't look like himself tonight, right? Like, even Kendall Gill mentioned it during the game that, you know, Zach's dribbling a little high. You know, he's a little upright. And I mentioned, yeah, he still got that back. And Kendall was like, yeah, you're right. Like, he's not, he can't get as low as he wants to. DeMar DeRozan is aware of all this. Zach Levine had 12 points, I believe, tonight in the third quarter. DeMar had 16 in the first. Ayo DeSumu gets a couple of really, really good stops. Big stops, I should say, down the stretch on Trey Young. Handcuffed Trey Young tonight. Three for 17 from the floor. Five turnovers. Forced Trey into a couple of bad shots, especially down the stretch. So much so that Navy Millen and them went away from Trey uh, at the end of the game. Bogdan Bogdanovich had the last uh, shot in his hands. So DeMar DeRozan has been holding this entire thing down, doing it at a, at a surgically precise pace and, and, and clip. And then on top of it, on top of it, he's got to do this for a team who's waiting for so many players to get back. The, the Lonzo Balls, the Alex Caruso's of the world and all these other cats. And Tristan Thompson makes his debut as a Chicago Bull and was outstanding tonight. Exactly what they needed. Um, defensively, the Bulls definitely, definitely not only need Tristan Thompson, they need Tristan Thompson to play like Tristan Thompson can immediately. 11.6 rebounds off the bench. Uh, the, the, the Hawks had way too many offensive rebounds tonight. That's how they stayed in the game was their second chance opportunities. And that's how teams are going to try to beat the Bulls. They're going to try to play volleyball at the rim. You throw it up at the rim. Maybe you can go get yourself a putback. Maybe you can get yourself a fire out three because this team can't rebound. Now with the addition of Tristan Thompson, it kind of alleviates some of that stress that their guards, including DeMar DeRozan and their wing players, have to do in terms of rebounding, especially on that second unit. But this this entire season has been like a love letter to basketball for DeMar DeRozan. You've seen him fall back in love with the game. Not that he ever fell out of love, but the Chicago vibe is a different vibe than the San Antonio vibe in terms of trajectory of the team, of course, the marketplace, and, you know, the ghosts that run around that United Center, whether it be Michael Jordan, Dennis Rodman, Scottie Pippen, all those banners that are hanging. This has been... This has been special to watch, and it's not only been special to watch, but I'm sure it's been special uh, for DeMar DeRozan to actually execute it at the level that he's executing at. So after all those flowers, I'm still me, and I'm still worried that too much of this is being asked from on a nightly basis, right? Like, get these 20, 25-point blowouts in. This Bulls team, especially in the second half of the games, the points in the paint are an Achilles heel. And defensively, if they don't shore up some things, especially with the the last 22 games remaining, you're going to see some very, very high usage numbers on players that you want to be fresh going into the playoffs. So without a lot of practice time in this 22-game stretch, uh, trying to incorporate some new teammates and Tristan Thompson and whoever else they may pick up in the buyout market. And on top of that, relearning to play with guys like Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso. Like, I would assume who's had the ball in his hands for the last couple of weeks. And he's been playing like a starting point guard. So now you throw him back on the bench. Now Kobe White goes back to the bench or, or, or gets pushed down further in the rotation. And when Alex Caruso comes back, you've got waves of players that you could send at teams in the playoffs for any kind of matchup, especially now that Tristan Thompson's on the team. But for, for me, while all of this is cool, and while we're watching, you know, a dude, like I mentioned, right, a great love letter to the game that he loves and DeMar DeRozan, I, I worry 
that too much of these nights are being asked of not only him, but Zach Levine when he was healthy. And now that he isn't healthy and trying to get back to that healthy spot, you're going to still be asking this of him. The Bulls have to learn how to clamp down on defense. you got to be more efficient cleaning up the defensive glass because teams like the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks and the Philadelphia 76ers are going to feast on those things. Good thing for the Bulls, low turnover team, quality possessions. They hit free throws, and they do what they're supposed to do in terms of discipline in long enough stretches that they don't fall off the rails. But Bulls fans, if, if you're watching this thing the way I'm watching this thing, you know, all the consternation, all the all all the the worries that that we may have as Chicago fans, because that's you know, that's what we're built to do. Um, try to enjoy. And I and I've said this before, and this is kind of a reminder, especially out of the all-star break. Try to enjoy what you're seeing out of DeMar DeRozan, not just on a wow, this is cool level, but on a we might never see this again level. And I know this is a franchise that has had Michael Jordan and the likes, but uh, what you're seeing right now, especially in today's NBA, doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Guys don't score like this with this kind of efficiency. From where he's doing it, you don't see this. And, and if Kevin Durant goes on this kind of run, which I'm sure he has in his career, well, I'm not sure he has because only Wilt has gone on this kind of run in terms of efficiency and scoring at that level. But when Kevin Durant goes on his nine, 10 game runs back in the day or you know a couple of years ago when he was healthy, we expect it and we're still in awe of it. How about a guy who was dubbed the worst offseason fit, worst offseason signing in the NBA in terms of fit? Uh, how about that guy doing it at this level 12 years into the game for a new team in his first year? It's, it's inspiring to watch when somebody gets reunited with the love of their craft. And I feel like that's what we're watching right now with DeMar DeRozan and the Chicago Bulls. When we return, we will be joined by a friend, a confidant, and one of the best damn riders on the NBA scene from Yahoo Sports, from Peacock, from SiriusXM. The man's got more jobs than me, and I didn't think that was possible. Vinny Goodwill joins us next. Is that a pink couch? Oh yeah, this is this is I am listen man. I do work from the office of one uh Dr. P. Holic. So, you know, yeah, it's a pink couch with with the green uh the green pillows and you can is see she an AKA or something? Yes, she is. Yes. Oh, there we go. That yeah, explains yeah. it that explains uh, it all. Uh, yeah, you are my life. It explains my life. You have been indoctrinated into the Oh no! Don't do that! Don't do that! Don't do that! Please don't do that! <laughs> oh my God! Oh Lord, have mercy on my soul! Oh, so here we go. <clears throat> I thought I thought we'd be getting the J the, the Jason Golf kitchen experience. I guess not. Well, you know the kitchen. So the dogs, the dogs are downstairs. My dogs. Yeah. Damn. So she has uh, an eleven-year-old Shih Tzu named Gucci. Exactly. And uh, I have, uh, by way of one Pia, uh, a eight and a half month, nine month old pit bull named Lou. Oh hell no! Yeah, so 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 we uh, it's a giant family circus going on in here. I'm just trying, I, to, just trying to figure it out. 
Y'all will never invite me to Casa de Golf. No, you nah. afraid of pit bulls. Nah, this is the the most loving dog you'll ever be around in your life. She's a little she's a little little crazy. We're gonna throw on some Prozac, but you know, she's she, I'm straight. No, 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 no. Did you know that dogs can take uh prescription like pills? I didn't know that. Did you? Yeah, there, there are like mood uh, inhibitors and all that kind of shit that they do for dogs that I didn't know. First of all, the last dog I had was a pit bull named Prince <laughs> when I was ten years old. So I'm just living out my second childhood, and that dog opened up windows, it chewed through walls. We didn't, we didn't train that dog for shit. And one day I came home, and the gate was open, and Prince was out, just not there, and. It was probably maybe a few years ago that I learned that my mother opened that game and allowed the dog to run away uh, and just played it like, you know, like it was all good. Like the dog had just found its way out and ran away and he uh, he had been escorted out by moms. And that's the last Your time mom had she had it. Yeah, she had had <laughs> enough. She had had enough. Uh, the, the shit wasn't being picked up uh, the, the way that she needed it to. Her house was being destroyed. Uh, the basement smelled like a dog. She was not about that life, so Prince had to go. So now I have uh, Prince reincarnate in Lulu, who is doing all the things that Prince did, by the way, because <laughs> because with the two or three gigs that I have, it is tough. Daycare is a bitch. Do you know daycare for dogs is a thing? Like daily daycare where they train your dog and all that? Yeah, bro. Yeah. It's the life I'm living. That costs the arm and the leg, too. And let me tell you. Um... This 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 ringer and, and Spotify money that I was looking at, like, man, a whole bunch of shit's going to open up for the kid. Yeah, it's been gobbled up by several different things. So, you know, shout out to uh, Gameful Employment and uh, having friends like you who can make the numbers skyrocket when you jump on. So I, Don't I, do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I appreciate do that. you. I appreciate you. Vinny Goodwill nah, good. uh, from Peacock, right? Don't, don't, like, let's run down the list here. <laughs> Vinny, Vinny Goodwill from Peacock. You know, shout out to shout out to to Vinny. Yeah, Yahoo, Yahoo, Yahoo Sports. Sport. Is, Yahoo Sports is the main one. Yahoo Sports, obviously, all the NBA TV, NBA TV, Sirius XM. Don't get it twisted. Go. NBA Radio. You can find my man Vinny Goodwill. They have they have swapped out the lesser black for the greater one. You know, <laughs> and look at that any way you want to look at it, whether it be me or any other uh, the blacks that have been at NBA Radio. They have got the ultimate and premium black in my main man Vinny Goodwill. But he is uh, he is not just a friend. He is a dude who I respect in this business, and he's joining us here on the Full Go Podcast. Vinny, we are looking at. The what the last 25, 24, 23 games uh, for the NBA season, the NBA regular season. And this is different because the Eastern Conference usually has one, maybe two teams. Eastern Conference feels like it's about three or four teams right now. And I'm I'm in this level game right now trying to figure out what the levels are, the people I don't need to worry about, the people I should worry about and the people that everyone is worried about. And if I remove myself from the Bulls thing, I think mm-hmm. the Bulls are in that second level of teams that are close, but just because of experience and some of the things that we haven't seen by some of their major players, their main players, not knowing how guys are going to answer the bell, uh, and the the fact that they rely on a lot of youth and a lot of role players in huge, huge positions. Um, and it's new. 
You know, I'm not afraid to say it. I I think you can be a year ahead of schedule and also not be afraid to capitalize on your window in the same moment. And I think that's where AK and Mark Eversley are. Uh, If you were talking to a Bulls fan uh, objectively about where this team should be ranked or where this team's expectations should fall, what would you say to that Bulls fan with this last 23, 24 games left? First off, can we take a moment to <clears throat> acknowledge the fact that we have the original chocolate options on, on, on <laughs> the original, the original chocolate? Oh options. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> I forgot about that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How could I though? How could I? Shout out to the chocolate options. New album in stores. You understand? <laughs> Me, shout you, shout Sam Jackson, West Snipes. <laughs> you bringing brother? We bringing dark skin brothers back. <laughs> we y'all can do all your colorism yeah. think pieces outside of this because I'm not going to read it and I don't give a damn. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 the, like the chocolate options, we here. Yeah. We coming back. We here to take back our real estate. We here right. to take back our corners. Yeah. You know Me, what I mean? Vinny, Anthony Edwards. You know what I'm saying? We out here. <laughs> Oh, and, and I'm kind of offended that you said objectively. What do I think of the Bulls? As if I'm nothing. Because I already know. Than... I already know. You know, you and you hey, and I, I agree on you, you and I agree on Isaiah Thomas, and that's about it. <laughs> we disagree on Matt Stafford, and and we won't have to get on that. We, oh, Matt Stafford. Oh no. We've oh. had this conversation about how you feel Matt Stafford ain't the one and how I feel like he ain't the one, but he ain't the, the, the 25 like everybody's been playing him his whole career. And oh I'm not God. even going to put this Super Bowl on that either, right? Because we already know what that thing was. You know, he, he had a limo. He didn't crash it. And I'm, I'm happy that the number one pick didn't crash the limo. But we, we disagree on a few <laughs> things, you know, and, and, you know, that's about it. But, yes, your your most objective self if you're taking a look at this Bulls <laughs> I here's what I think. I think that what they do well is conducive to playoff basketball. I won't put them in the first tier. First tier for me are the two teams that I think will be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, of course, this is the contingent on matchups and injuries and everything, but I think Miami Milwaukee will be in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think Brooklyn and Philly are kind of not quite there because I don't believe in them. I haven't seen anything. There's not enough continuity. I don't know if I trust the coaching, you know, stuff like that. But for the Bulls standpoint, two things bode well for me that that plays out in playoff basketball. And it's kind of like the Phoenix Suns model from last year. The Bulls don't turn the ball over mm-hmm. and they, they make their free throws. And it sounds really, really simple. They don't, don't turn the ball over. They make their free throws. They force you into turnovers, which means quality of possessions that you get our lesson and they can get out on the break. And finally, and this is the most, of course, the easiest point to make is they have premium shot creators that can get something outside of the offense. Right. Like the dirty little secret is once you get past game three of a playoff series, I know what you're running. You know what I'm running. It kind of comes down to who can make plays. Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan can make shots outside of the offense, even if you know what's coming, even if you run a second guy to double at them, they can make shots. And in the playoff series where the margins are really, really thin, creating turnovers, maximizing yours, and getting, you know, some guys who make tough shots to make tough shots, that could actually lift you above another team that's better, another team that's more ready. Like, I don't think this year is about who's ready. I think this year is mostly about who's lucky, Mm. who gets the best matchup, because all of this is going to be contingent upon who gets the best matchup. Because you said there's four teams. 
I think there's like six. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? That can legitimately win the championship. That that could and six that could literally legitimately get to the finals. Okay. In the Eastern Conference. Okay. I think there's six teams. I've never said that in my life <laughs> right. about the Eastern Conference, mind you. You know what I mean? Never said that, never felt it. But I think if some things break right, yeah, you can see the Bulls there. Yeah, you can see Philly or Brooklyn if Brooklyn gets their shit together. I wouldn't bet on it. I don't trust it. But if it happened and someone said, we're, we're transporting you to June 2nd and we're in Brooklyn, I'm like, oh, okay, I guess KD got it together. You know what I mean? Like, you can transport me anywhere from anywhere today. And if one of six teams are in the finals, maybe except Cleveland, I guess, because Cleveland is just too young. They're just so far ahead of schedule. Right. I just don't see it happening right now. That's not to say I don't think they're legitimate. I just don't know if I see it happening right now. You know what I mean? But I think the playoffs, Jason, are going to be so based off of who plays who and when. It's, is Kyrie available? Is Ben Simmons here? Is James Harden's hamstring injury rearing its ugly head? Because I think that hamstring is a thing that nobody's actually believing in. Mm-hmm. But I think he's lost a little bit or a lot of whatever explosion he had left. And I think of a guy like Kevin Johnson, once he started having hamstring problems, yeah. he stopped dunking on dudes. See, that's, you know what I mean? That's, that, and I'm so glad you mentioned that because – that's what I was going to ask you. What do you think will rear its, I won't say ugly head, but rear its head uh, more so in these playoffs? The the Ben Simmons, I don't know, factor or the eight years of Houston usage that we don't talk about when it comes to James Harden. Hell, we weren't talking about it when he was struggling in those playoffs. Like he wasn't playing 75 plus games every minute, trying to get every triple double. And, you know, we talked mm-hmm. about him as a generational scorer. That should add up. And when he got to those playoffs, them legs were heavy, them legs were tired, and you go two for 27 in a game seven against the Warriors. So what what do you think will show itself more or prove more detrimental to their respective teams. The usage that is built up and accrued over the years for James Harden or wherever Ben Simmons is right now when it comes to his relationship with basketball and being the former number one pick that we know he could be. I think for me, I would say Ben Simmons and only because there's so much more unknown. Like he hasn't gotten on the floor this year. So we don't know even once he steps on the floor, what type of player we're going to see let alone his deficiencies that we saw bear out in real time during the playoffs. Like, like there's a thing where we talk about mental toughness, we talk about mental health, and those are like two totally different conversations. You can't, you can't really mesh into one. And we're not equipped to talk about it. Let's be perfectly honest. We're not equipped. We can say Michael Jordan, mentally tough, but we can't say what the opposite of that is. Right. You know what I mean? We, we, you, you can't quantify what that looks like in real time basketball. And you can have all of the awareness for what Ben Simmons is going through while also not trusting what he's going to do when he gets on the floor, while also not knowing exactly will he be what Brooklyn needs him to be? if his head is or isn't right. Cause we don't know what Ben Simmons with his head right looks like. Mm. We don't. Cause they've said, this has been a problem that's plagued him throughout his entire career virtually. Okay. So if we, you don't know a world without those struggles, we don't know a world where you are full mind, body and soul invested and in, with nothing else. So I would say that is a bigger unknown than James Harden's tricky hamstring or wayward playoff history rearing his ugly head because if nothing else, Joel Embiid, while not a better player than Kevin Durant, might be a little bit more bankable at this point because he's not getting hurt. 
He's not coming off of an injury. And that man is a monster on both ends of the floor. While Kevin Durant, while being the absolute, in my opinion, best player in basketball, he's got questions around him that have nothing and something to do with him like Kyrie Irving. The last two years for Kevin Durant in decision-making, do you think that it has slowed the 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 gaining on or the the um, some people would say lapping of LeBron James in these last four or five years like in terms of decisions he's made to leave teams decisions he's made to kind of put together teams especially with this Brooklyn situation them them three dudes only playing what 13 16 games something like that uh what do you think it's done if anything to and I hate this kind of shit but KD's legacy talk and all that I mean he's a champion he's one of the greatest players we've ever seen one of the greatest scores we've ever seen uh one of the best college players for a year that we saw I mean you, you can't go against Kevin Durant but in the moments that you can I feel like you know all the shit that we nitpick with some of these stars I don't know if if there's been a guy who has directly affected his own career with decisions that he's made sometimes adversely to the level mm-hmm. that Kevin Durant has. And, and this this Brooklyn one seems like a shining example. Now, me being a Ben Simmons guy, maybe Ben Simmons comes to the rescue. All of a sudden, he defends and starts kicking the ball out to guys who know how to knock down shots. This Brooklyn thing is, is a champion. But what do you think this last year and a half or so has done for and to KD's legacy? Well, before we go to KD, you said Ben Simmons. He's like, like faith. Isn't faith like the definition of faith, the belief and things sight unseen or something like that? Mm-hmm. You believe in the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus too, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> to have We're a not going to do this. We're not going to do this. You talking talk about Ben? We talking yeah, about Ben? It's, it's oh, time to shit. have a discussion. You know, I listen to you jumping on all these. I listen to you jump on all these pods, and I'll be sitting there screaming at your black ass from the other side of the speaker. Like I, I listen to you, Bomani, and and I listen to you go on everybody else's pods, and be like, "You ain't gonna do Ben like this." Not while I'm listening, and then I'm like, "Well, they can because I'm listening." Ben, hey man, <laughs> listen. If I have to be the last one on the Ben Simmons train, that's fine. I've been here before. I've been places like this before. Right. I was the last one on the Matt Stafford train. OK. All of a sudden he pull up to L.A. Aaron Donald and them boys, you know, they had the league in interceptions. My bad. Go ahead. He did. He did. And and listen, I thought the Bengals was going to win that game. And a lot of it was because I knew at some point Matt Stafford was going to give up the booty. But at the same time, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons has a different kind of arc throughout his career than than Matt Stafford. Like Matt Stafford didn't accomplish shit <laughs> individually, right? Like right. Ben Simmons has accomplished some things in an individual sport at times. He's accomplished some pretty lofty things at a young age. Like you can't tell me like people just voting him to things just because he's the number one pick. This league don't give a shit about number one picks. We love shitting on number one picks if they ain't good. So Ben Simmons has got to be some level of good. Now I understand the shooting and the aloof nature of Ben and all the other, like he's not a perfect player. He's an extremely flawed player, but I would Mm -hmm. hate to give up Mm -hmm. on a six foot 10 dude who does everything that he does. I know you've heard all these fucking points Mm -hmm. before, so I'm just going to stop and and allow you to demolish the kid the same way everybody else did. What I'm going to say to you is this. I hate you so much. Me and Jason have known each other for years, so I'm not speaking out of turn when I say this. And Jason doesn't know I'm gonna say this. Oh uh, shit! He about to make he about to make some analogy about you know the people I love and how I love them, ain't you? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say that we both have stayed in relationships <laughs> way too long trying to make them work 
off of the morsel of optimism that a person gives us when an overwhelming amount of evidence states that we should get the hell out of here. It's like we hold on to that one bloody glove and be like, baby, if it don't fit, you can't quit. You know what I mean? Like this is what we, this is kind of what we've done in our personal lives. You about to get us canceled by every white person out here. You brought up a relationship and OJ. Oh, it was the only rhyme I could. I can, I, but I can dig it. Forgive hey, me, forgive hey me, listen, nah, me, nah, they're not going to. Just go ahead. Just go. <laughs> they're not going to forgive me but at whatever. all, ever. <laughs> so I get why you keep all this real estate on Ben's. Keep it open, yeah. I get it. Casey, come and, back home. <laughs> and if and if I'm wrong, I will gladly admit that I'm wrong. Uh, but I don't think that I'm wrong. And if, if guess what? If I am wrong, I've come to the conclusion using the correct amount of evidence saying that I don't know if this dude is somebody that I can depend on. Now, to your Kevin Durant question. Mm-hmm. Do I think that this is adversely affecting his legacy? Two things. One, legacy is what you leave behind. And if nothing else that we've seen from LeBron James over the past 15 years, we usually forget the small details. Nobody thinks about the decision anymore. And the decision was the worst thing, let, let mass media tell it, right. that anybody could have ever have done. How right. dare you get Cleveland and Tifa on national TV? Like, we don't do that every day. Now, to KD, KD, the general manager, and KD, the friend, have short-circuited Kevin Durant, the generational player. I know I stand alone on this island, so I can relate to your Ben Simmons-ness. I think Kevin Durant's been the best player in basketball since 2014. You've been saying this for a while. You've been I think this. when he became an excellent defensive player who could protect the rim and defend at all three levels, the light went on and life changed. And because we are so dedicated as a mass media to LeBron James, we are so addicted to LeBron. We are addicted to the LeBron narrative and Kevin Durant doesn't give that to us. He doesn't give us the the shrubbery around mm-hmm. the meal. Yeah. We aren't going to give it to him. And because Kevin Durant made the dastardly decision, how dare you go and play with a group of players that is the total antithesis of everything that you've done in Oklahoma right. City? How dare you go play with a team that passes the ball around and gives you open shots and makes you a better defender and makes you a better all-around player? How dare you do some shit like that? Like you, you have really fucked up our basketball narrative. You, you can't do that. And people get mad at him, and they haven't forgiven him, and they, they actually stopped watching him play. For real, they actually stopped watching the basketball beauty that is Kevin Durant. Like, I will say this: Game Five last year against Milwaukee, like the third quarter was happening, and I'm like, oh, we're in it. We're here. We're in it's this moment. Yep. It, we are literally in this moment. And it was so beautiful and poetic to watch because you knew he had to do it. He literally had nothing left, no other option. That's what people have been asking for. You know, put a team on your back and do it on your own and everything. Else. And then he did it. And people were still like, well, we got to do it again. No, no, you're playing against a better team and you're with a coach who's hugging you at the end of the game because you saved his ass. That's still largely the situation that he has there. But I do wonder about his decision-making. Here's the thing. I wonder about his decision-making. I wonder about LeBron's decision-making. Sometimes you can have too many conflicting agendas that do not line up with each other, and it gets in the way of the ultimate goal. LeBron wants to to play with his son. He wants to maybe go back to Cleveland. He wants to catch Kareem. He wants to win more championships. He wants this to be team clutch. 
how can all how can a human juggle all five of these things in this hyper competitive world of professional basketball where if you've got one team that's focused on that they're gonna knock you off and kevin durant wanted to go play in brooklyn with his friends and add another friend and then you know usher Kyrie through you know this situation and then hey we got to bring Kyrie back because we're in a bad spot not realizing how this is going to affect James Harden like all these different things I'm not saying they're not equipped to do it but sometimes you got to actually trust the organization that you choose Mm. and say hey maybe you maybe you know best with collaboration from me it's not blind trust or blind faith but it's got to be an actual working relationship as opposed to me saying hey we're gonna be out here picking players like it's the fantasy draft and then i gotta make it happen and make it work like yeah kevin durant should be the best player in basketball three four five seven years running but whether it's injury or a decision here or there like it's a reason that we haven't given it to him and i feel like like he ain't gonna be young forever right he ain't young right now like you know so he's got to maximize the best of the rest of his career coming up we got more with Vinny Goodwill right here on the Full Go Podcast miss the beauty like thinking about like what you just said and this has been my conversation with a lot of people about lebron uh and hell about kobe and when he was playing you know post michael jordan i feel like there are so many great players that we have truly missed the beauty in their careers because all we do is sit around and talk about and and consume dumb shit like that's all we do. Like I, I'm tired of having conversations with ex-players, with fans, with with peers about who's better and who's this and who's that. Because while Michael Jordan was playing, I wasn't having those conversations. You know, like I, I yearned for an NBA where it was, man. I really do appreciate Glenn Rice. I know he ain't Mike. You know, I do appreciate Mitch Richmond. I know he ain't Mike. I watched Bernard King at the end of his career, only knowing what my family told me about him, who grew up on the East Coast, who watched him as a Nick before he blew out his knee. Right. Like these are the things where it's like there's so many careers that I feel like because of social media and because of the the everyday engagement and we're complicit and part of the problem as well as the people who have to cover it and spit something out and oh shit I got, I'm up against I'm up against the clock so uh let me talk about LeBron I know I can get 15 minutes of that off right the problem I is think, we don't have those like the the the, the presence yeah the presence of the the awesome career that I appreciated that you don't have like for instance I'm a I was a huge Dominique Wilkins fan as a kid he was playing while Jordan was playing I'm a huge mm-hmm. Carmelo Anthony fan was and still am guess what his career and Dominique Wilkins' career probably have a lot more in common than people would think. But guess what you say about Carmelo Anthony? He's never won. Went back to New York, ruined the team by how much they had to give up for him. Didn't win shit in Denver. He'll never, he wasn't Wade, LeBron, or Bosch because he didn't win championships, so you can't put him in that category. When I'm like, hey, man, for a five-year period from block to arc, including Kobe, including Tracy McGrady, like including some real people, 
there was nobody who was doing it better than him. Could have been at the same level, but three levels of score. Like these are the things, like the nuanced conversations about um, enjoyment of the sport, enjoyment of these players. And as Kevin Durant gets into his older age and this motherfucker in LA is running around 19 years later, still doing ridiculous shit. Not at the level he was doing in 2012, obviously, but the the room for those conversations, I don't think that we let it breathe enough as opposed to, all right, let's put a power rankings up or let's compare him to this player and do that like i feel like basketball kind of gets ruined for a younger generation that didn't know how we used to talk about this sport while the greatest was playing well for one stay tuned uh my man my man i already know (laughs) point two basketball conversation has become so unsophisticated like you don't we don't talk about the nuances of the game it's almost like black guys run and jump you know what I mean? Co- like coaching doesn't matter. Like, you know, play design doesn't matter. Like all the things that, you know, as, as much of a meathead sport football is, there's a lot of sophistication that we come in understanding what we watch and appreciating people who can break it down with a level of nuance that can get us to at least understand it on a baseline level. We don't do that here because we either have a people yearning for the past and shitting on what we see in the present. You know, on national broadcast, mind you, a bunch of back in my day and everything else. And don't get me wrong. Some of the stuff is, lack of a better phrase, soft. But you watch Hubie Brown. Hubie Brown loves the game. Yes, sir. Hubie Brown is not somebody, you know, and Hubie Brown could be 135 years old. And he will still love the current game and appreciate it and contextualize it the right way. NBA coverage has become so, or not just coverage, discussion has become so unsophisticated. It has become so linear. It has become so one note, like lowest common denominator. If, Like you said, if nothing else, let's have a LeBron-Michael discussion. No, there's so much more to talk about with that. Now, granted, when LeBron comes out every other week and right. says something along the lines of, you know what I did in 2016, that made me the greatest player of all time, then we got to have a discussion about that and, and try out the same people who say the same stuff right. with whatever agendas and backgrounds that they have and it's it's demeaning to them. It's demeaning to us as a basketball culture where we're supposed to be trying to push the game forward. Like I'm not, I'm not a steward of the game. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't I don't have that level. But I would hope that, you know, because on the internet everything lives forever, that if someone goes back and reads columns that I wrote, like I used to go back and read Michael Wilbon's columns, like I would go back and read Sam Smith's columns, that they can say, man, okay, this is what the perspective was like back then even though i'm thirty thousand feet away or 20 years Mm -hmm. removed or whatever it is that there was a on the ground perspective and appreciation a contextualization and also something that made sense you know what i mean and i hope that at some point because because for me my all-time favorite football player is barry sanders one it's my favorite running back of all time won one playoff game you know what I mean? Or, or participate in one playoff win and had a playoff loss where he ran for minus minus one yards or something like yeah, that. Five catches was minus seven, I believe it was. Yeah. And got and got and got killed for it. Like you go against Gilbert Brown and Reggie White in sub zero degree weather and tell me how many how many yards you gonna gain with Scott Mitchell as your quarterback. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But we don't have that type of you know, contextualized, but, oh, because he didn't win a ring, he's not Walter Payton or Emmitt Smith. No, no, no. I saw that man with my own two eyes. I know the joy and the excitement that he brought me. 
You know what I mean? So when you're talking about the Dominiques and the Carmelo Anthony's, that's the texture of the league, man. That gives the league its, its texture, its color. Everything can't be, well, you know, Mike Michael Jordan, that's, that's Coke. And Kobe Bryant, that's Diet Coke. So we can't talk about Kobe Bryant. Yeah, I like Coke over Diet Coke. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, can we can we find another way to discuss this? Right. Can, can we can we appreciate things and not compare everything to just this has got to be the greatest or it ain't shit? Yeah. And what happens is we, um, you know, we allow a lot of conversation that is programmed and filtered into certain aspects of our society to be the greater conversation. There's a lot of shit that happens in barbershops that I would not discuss in my house. Right? Absolutely not. And it seems like a lot of barbershop conversation now is and no disrespect to the barbershop conversation because it's necessary and it's fun. But you also understand that there's a certain uh, pitch or a certain volume that you're not going to get certain things in. So you just understand what the conversation for what it is. Uh, speaking of that conversation, uh, Mike in Cleveland. Uh, there was a lot of stuff about, oh, is he here? Is he not here? Why isn't he in the photo and all this other shit? And then he comes out. He walks out. The sheepish grin. He, he gives them. It, it was always, it was almost to a point where he was kind of like, I won't say overwhelmed, but like he kind of, the, the attention was like, all right, guys. Like, hey, all right, I appreciate y'all. Like, I know I'm the shit. Y'all know I'm the shit. We're going to just walk over here and they're going to force us old ass dudes to stand up for a long time. What was... What was the uh, the arena like? What was the moment being on the ground like? I mean, you know, for Mike to be cheered, and that's the other thing too. See, Mike got cheered in Cleveland, and he used to whoop their ass. And look, LeBron didn't even get that big a pop. But it's like, right, right, right. Like, y'all got it. You, you know, you got it, right? Like it's it's okay. <laughs> like like if they if they stop stop saying this, you're not gonna stop arguing it. So how about you just stop arguing it? It, it you know what it was. And I knew that Mike was going to be there because I was doing some stuff with NBA TV in turn. And I got there four hours before the game. So maybe five hours before the game. And they had these rehearsals where, you know, you have humans that work in the arena with name tags, like chains and name tags. And, you know, Magic Johnson, like, you ain't Magic Johnson, right. you Joe Johnson, you know, that type of thing. And I walked past, <laughs> past the last dude and the last dude had on a chain that said Michael Jordan. And I'm like, oh, okay. Michael Jordan's going to be the last person announced there, and he's going to be here. Like, otherwise, they wouldn't be going through this, you know, rehearsal thing. And I talked to someone who was there, and I said, is Michael going to be in that room with all the 75? And she said, no, his plane lands at 8, and he'll be here at halftime. So while everybody was saying, Michael ain't going to come, Michael ain't going to come, in my head, I knew I just wasn't going to tweet it out there because I wasn't going to take the suspense away, you know, from the moment. And I, I do think it was a little bit of a surprise. And I think Mike... Two things. Mike never seemed truly comfortable with the way people received him as like a famous person. Mm -hmm. He always seemed kind of sheepish about it. You know what I mean? Like, y'all really that impressed by me? Like, I'm impressed by me, but why are y'all impressed right, by me? Right. That type of thing. Like, I know what I do. Y'all really don't know how cold I am and what I do, what I do. Y'all just see a little bit of the offshoot. Exactly. So, so, and he, and we've been like this before where you're like, you about to go to a party and you don't want to go. <laughs> and somebody's like, you know, you know, it's it's homeboy such and such. And, you know, just show up and da da da. It ain't going to be so bad. So you take a shot or two or five or seven. to pregame mm -hmm. and you go there and you mess around. And you're like, man, this is cool. I'm glad I'm here. People are happy to see me. I'm happy to see them. You're overwhelmingly surprised by your reaction to them. You're you're surprised by you know, your warm feeling of actually being there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think he thought of it as a chore 
And I think he wound up being in, in the, being more of appreciative than he thought he would be. That's why you saw him running around like a Q would, you know, grabbing everybody from behind. Yeah. That's some straight Q dog shit there. You it know is. what I mean? It is. Imposing your physical dominance on someone who obviously is as physically dominant as you, but you just need to do it. Like the hugs, the, the hugs and grabbing people's stomachs and shit. I'm like, oh, this dude, he's still like, he, he being cool, Mike, but he just letting you know, hey, I can get you if I want to. That's, 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 that's drunk Mike, that's cute Mike. <laughs> and the one thing that was left, as long as he didn't lick somebody in their ear, because you know cues is good for licking somebody in the ear yeah. and biting them in their butt. Or you know what I mean? taking like, a picture like, with a whole hand on your ass. Oh, like he did with Mary J. Blige? <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, like that hand went lower, that, lower The best part lower. was my boys you know My boys was like, y'all, y'all see that? I'm like, hey, man, Mike was cold in the 90s. Mary J. Blige came out in 90, 91, 92. You, you, if you think that Mary J. Blige and Michael Jordan haven't run into each other, been in the same city, been in the same party before, you're a goddamn fool. Or remember, for the Jordan 15 shoe launch, Mary J. Blige sang uh, Stevie Wonder's Overjoyed for that commercial. Oh, yeah, remember one? yeah, yeah. So Mike knows that. Look, Mike is one. It's crazy. Mike is one of those people that just carries a presence whenever he walks in a room. And I've been around a lot of famous dudes and it's just a few people that just carry this presence that he takes the air out the room. Be there, mm -hmm. It just takes the air out the room and you wind up looking and you're like, okay, I don't know who he is, but that's somebody. <laughs> like for me, that's Kelly Rowland. She walk in the room, the air is coming out of my stomach. I'm, I'm sucking it in. You know what I mean? And, and Neil Long is right there with her. Yeah. Kelly Long, my chocolate sister. You know what I mean? <laughs> nothing, nothing like a chocolate black woman. I, oh love my God. I, I can't believe it. Yeah, we having this it, conversation. It was, it was a great right moment here. when I got a chance to meet her in Atlanta. And at the time, she was... Uh, my, she was doing a radio interview and I was downstairs. Well, I was upstairs doing the 92.9 The Game stuff. And my sister's a huge Destiny's Child's fan. And uh, she uh, was not feeling the best at the time. So I asked Kelly Rowland to take a picture saying, get better soon, Shayna. And she did. And she was as gracious and as amazing a person as I, I've always heard her to be. But all the whole while, I was like, God damn, you fine as hell. The whole what time. What did she smell like? She, what did she smell like? She smelled like angel's breath and some new hennessy that hasn't come out yet oh you know what i'm I'll, saying I'll, like i'll never forgive you for that yeah <laughs> yeah man she 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 moved with a grace that that many people don't move and i knew she was having you know a busy day but she didn't make it feel that way which is why kelly if you're ever listening to this thing you know we love you from the bottom of our hearts we do i love you <laughs> I, I Maybe I love you. <laughs> <laughs> but, back, but, back, but back to Mike and Mary J. <laughs> you a damn fool, boy. I know. I can't help myself. No, Kelly, I love you. I, 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 I when, where, how, girlfriend, yeah, yeah. Mary. Hey, that's, that's my guy. Just give him a chance. Just give him a chance. Just give him a chance. Yeah, help, a chance. help me out. No, no, I'll, I'll respect her because she's married and just had yeah, a baby. Yeah, 100%. All that, all that. Mm, oh, but God, still. She's so fine. Yeah. But yeah, but so Mike being that person that carries that presence, it meant a lot. And I'll be perfectly honest. I was disappointed that a lot of guys, some of the guys who could have showed up, didn't show up because mm. it's, it's not going to be very often that you have this chance to be in a room with all of these guys. The peers, like, I, I don't think people realize how much of an honor that it is. Anthony Davis didn't show up. Russell Westbrook didn't show up. Tim Duncan, show your ass up. Larry Bird, who looks like a grandmother now. 
show up. You know what I mean? Like Scottie Pippen, I get why he didn't show up because he knew he didn't belong on the list. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like I get what it. You doing? What you doing? What you what? doing? Did what I you, say something wrong? What you doing? I know you're about to have your Grant Hill Scottie Pippen discussion, right? And Grant, there is no discussion. Grant, Sorry, but go ahead. no, no. Grant was Grant was the better player. Grant was the okay. better player. Uh, I've had this discussion with other people before too. Um, Grant just didn't get a chance to show and mature because of the injuries. But and Scotty and Scotty Pippen got his six rings courtesy of Air Jordan Jewelers. Go ahead. Oh God, damn you! See now, this is why. This is why we bump heads. Michael Jordan's the greatest player ever. Can Chicago be happy with me on that? Michael Jordan is the it's greatest. It's not even Chicago. Ever. It's me. Like Pip was. Pip was my favorite dude while those Bulls team. Like Mike was the god. Don't get like obviously right. But in terms of favorite, like all right, that's gonna be my guy. Like Pip was that for me. And did and, you have my? Did you have migraines? Were you sitting bull back uh, then? See, you shouldn't even do this. Did you sit down? Did you sit down when your coach told you to come in the migraines game? Migraines are debilitating. Bull? You know what I'm saying? Migraines can shut anybody I mean, if down. You were drinking, if you were drinking the night before and you uh, couldn't and see, you couldn't play the next day. This is, this is why. This is, this is why. Hey, hey, in the words of Michael Jordan, headache tonight, Scotty? See. Headache tonight? See. And Those are Michael Jordan's words, not so, mine. So, I'm just so who you gonna take Scotty Pippen? You gonna take Scotty Pippen off and put who in? Well, he's not the first person I would take off. But if I were to take him off, I would put Dwight Howard on there. So you think D- Dwight Howard had a better career than Scotty? No, 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 no. I'm not. I think Dwight Howard belongs on there in front of Anthony Davis. Now there we can yes we can definitely have that conversation because I think we're still waiting for Anthony to fulfill some kind of potential and not understand that he's eight nine years into an NBA career now like it's the same way I feel like we treat Anthony Davis the same way we're getting ready to treat Jason Tatum when we he's only nineteen <laughs> you know what I mean when he's like you know he's twenty six like with, 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 with a kid right. he's twenty six with a son who is damn near three feet tall now at two years old like like at some point we just gonna have to stop talking about how cold this man's hairline is and start acting like you know the time the, appre- I, I appreciate the hairline oh no hundred percent great appreciation oh, the, hairline. For the hairline and you know being light skin is a cheat code with the hairline sometimes you know being you know the vibes. is a cheat code with the hairline That's I was gonna bad. say light skin but you know you could go with that as well um. But no, man, I mean, Anthony Davis, Jay, Jason Tatum, guys like that. I mean, there are a bunch of dudes who in the and, and we get back to the nuance conversations. Like, it's either this man ain't shit or you, you're praising him too much. Whereas, yeah, mm-hmm. if, you, if you look at Anthony Davis and you show me a guy who scored 59 in a playoff game very early in his career, I'm expecting you to, I don't know, scratch that surface a little bit more when, t- when the stakes I want you to up. be Tim Duncan. No, I, I look at you as if Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett had a baby. Like I, I expect the greatness, and I understand that AD was a kid who wasn't always big, right? You know what I mean? Right. He wasn't always tall. He was five eleven. He grew, so that's going to make a whole bunch of bones and joints and everything be a lot more fragile compared to dudes who were always big and always tall and knew that. But when I see you and I see your skill set, I should at least, at the worst, see the best defensive player in basketball. Even if you're not going to be that inside post presence, I need to see the best defensive player in basketball. I need to see I need to see you asserting your will on your team every bleeping night. I need to like when I look at Giannis and I see Giannis taking AD's lunch on national TV, yeah. that can't happen. That that wouldn't happen if it's Tim Duncan. And we're not even talking about Tim Duncan being the greatest player of all time or anything like that. But we're saying that 
your skill level, your athletic gifts, your greatness demands a certain level of consistency, intensity, and accountability that I don't see from him at this age. And I think we've seen the best of Anthony Davis because I don't think he's going to get healthier as time goes on. And I don't know if he's going to be more assertive as time goes on. I think we've seen the best and we'll just be sitting around hoping, wishing, praying that he's going to wind up stepping into that space. He just might not be that guy. What's the weirdest, most likely thing to happen in the Western Conference now with Chris Paul's injury and all the other stuff that we're watching, the play-in participants who are down there, some very big names down there circling circling the wagons around 7 through 11. Um, is, is it too weird to think that the Memphis Grizzlies might mess around and slap are some Are you reading in? my mind? Are you reading my mind, Jason? I'm just Ball? saying. I, mean, I, like, I don't think that in terms of toughness, in terms of shot-making – in terms of skill, uh, I think that coach is a lot more underrated than people would probably give credit to. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I the, the big bad bullies are more so to me in the Eastern Conference than they are in the Western Conference. There's really, really, really good teams in the Western Conference. Don't get me wrong, but there's some flaws mm-hmm. on those teams as well. Like we still acting like Clay Thompson is Clay Thompson before the injuries too. No, he's not. And and here's the thing, Memphis. Everybody makes the Chicago Bulls comparison from 10 to 11, the team that's near and dear to everybody's heart that got, you know, bounced in five games by, you know, a Miami Heat team that wasn't quite ready. But they ain't, the Memphis Grizzlies ain't going against no Miami Heat team with LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. If Golden State isn't healthy or cohesive, but we're doing a lot of projecting when we're talking right. about Golden State. When Draymond gets there, back. When James Wiseman gets there. When Klay Thompson gets more under his legs. Assuming Steph comes back out of this and plays like, first month of the year, Steph, as opposed to, you know, a guy that's turning 34 in March. You know what I mean? You were doing a lot of projection there. So would I be surprised if Memphis jumps ahead a year ahead of schedule? I think they're like a year away, right? But sometimes you're not a year away. Sometimes during a two-week span, you catch somebody slipping. You know what I mean? Hell so yeah. if you're saying something that's wacky, could I see Memphis popping off both Golden State and Phoenix? I wouldn't be... I would be surprised, but I would not be so shocked that it's not that it's implausible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And don't get me wrong. I root for weather. I want to be someplace warm in June. OK, <laughs> I want to be someplace warm with nice looking women, which means I'm rooting for like Miami mm. and, and, and the Bay. You know what I mean? Mm. But from a basketball standpoint, I can see Memphis going there. And in the East, everybody has a shot, Jay, but everybody has a fatal flaw. Everybody has a fatal flaw that can get your ass knocked out without another team doing anything but pushing you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Brooklyn has their issues. Philadelphia has big issues. If you're going to ask me about the Bulls, I'm going to say, where's the size? Like, And I don't mean Tristan Thompson's size. I mean, because I think he's going to help as a body. But I wonder if you wind up playing too small because. down the stretch of games. Because Billy, like, Billy Donovan likes to play small, which helps you because you're versatile. You can switch a lot of stuff. You can force some turnovers. But what happens if a team just wants to beat you up? Will you adjust to that? Or will you say, hey, we're just going to take these matchups and eat them? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Milwaukee has fatal flaws, and it might be the head coach. You know what I mean? Like it's literally a lot of questions with a lot of really, really good, quote-unquote, 50-type win teams that can get to the finals but can easily get knocked, also knocked down the first round. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I this this Bulls run, depending on where they slot, depending on where they match up, where where they end up, you know, the Celtics and Jalen, the Celtics and Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum 
would be an outstanding, you know, first-round series. And I wouldn't put it past Jason Tatum to go crazy for two games and pull two games out and then have to look to the rest of the group say, okay, you got two more in you. You know, I, I don't – I don't put anything past this Eastern Conference this year, especially with those top three teams that you mentioned in Milwaukee, so Miami, far, and, and Philadelphia. It's going to be so far, man. Yeah. It's going to be so – can you remember the last time the Eastern Conference was really, really running shit? We got to go back to our childhood. Yeah. And I'm not saying this as a Chicago thing. We got to go back to Detroit, Chicago, the Knicks, the tail end of the Celtics where you knew – Whatever that conference finals was, that was pretty much the NBA finals. Yep. That's that's what that series was. We haven't had that in a very, very long time. And best believe that our friends at the television networks are ecstatic considering how much of the country pays more attention to East Coast basketball mm-hmm. or Midwest basketball than anything that happens post 9 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to it. As always, Vinny. Look forward to talking to you, reading your stuff, checking you out, and all the platforms that you are popping up in, man. Proud of you, bro. I'm proud, proud, of, you. I'm proud me, of you. Let me let me let me stop you when your platitude <laughs> tell you how proud I am of you doing everything that you're doing, not just on on this here platform, but also what you do with the NFL and also what you do hosting everything Bulls related. Like we can go we can go behind the curtain, and when you were for that job, and I was like, yo, you gonna kill this shit if you. <laughs> And I didn't want Don't to take worry it. about doing TV for the first time. Like you gonna figure it out, yeah. and you literally figured it out like your first time. Yeah, no, nah, I appreciate you, man. I, every once in a while, you need a little bit of nudge, and you always been there for me for that. So I appreciate that, man. I truly, truly do. Uh, you get back to whatever it is the hell that you be doing during the day, because I can only imagine. I, I appreciate you, though, man. And uh, I can't wait to kind of watch this through your eyes on Twitter and through your stuff on Yahoo Sports, man. Appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you, bro. Vinny Goodwill right here on the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. The Full Go with Jason Goff. All right, that's all the time that we have for episode 69 of the Full Go. We will return Sunday night. Don't forget, you can hit us up on the Full Go voicemail line, 773-359-3103. That's 773-359-3103. I want to say thank you to Vinny Goodwill, as always, my brother from another mother. Appreciate you with your Detroit nonsense, as always. And our producers, the shadowy figure known as Steve Cerruti, the active Jesse Lopez, and of course, my main man, Chris Tannehill. For the fellas, I'm Jason Goff. Thanking you so much for listening to this podcast, rating and reviewing it, downloading it, subscribing to it, of course course and sharing it with your friends i truly appreciate everything that y'all do for us here on this pod this has been the 69th episode of the full go podcast with jason golf brought to you by the ringer and of course spotify is the gang we leave you with this as always take care of each other and be safe